Blog Talk Radio. Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here with John Harlow as we bring you another episode of Talking in Circles. Today we're going to talk about the Quaker State 400 at Kentucky. We're going to preview the New Hampshire 301 at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Elliot Sadler, sponsor One Main Financial, is leaving at the end of the 2016 season. And we thought that would have been the only Dale Earnhardt Jr. news. Elliot Sadler drives for Junior Motorsports. We'll talk about the passing of Davey Allison as well. But first, of course, the big news of the night, big news of the, of the evening, I should say, and that is Dale Earnhardt Jr. out at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Concussion-like symptoms, John Harlow went to the doctor, thought he was having a lot of allergies. Uh, it came back that he was still having some problems. Uh, they diagnosed it to a further extent. It was concussion-like symptoms. Dale Jr. out this weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. No timetable for his return. Uh, shocking news, John Harlow, that this afternoon I read it, I couldn't believe it. Lee from Virginia texted me, I could not believe it. But shocking news out of the Hendrick Motorsports stable on Dale Hunt Jr., out, missing the New Hampshire 301 at New Hampshire Motorsports. Your thoughts, John Harlow? I think this could be the crushing blow to the chase hopes of the 88 team. Um, if you think about concussions, and like they said, no timetable for cons- no timetable for return. Brock Holt, who plays left field for the Boston Red Sox, got a concussion when he dove for a ball and his head bounced off the ground. And they put him on the seven-day concussion list for baseball. He was out six weeks. Six weeks. Because he was still having headaches, still having dizziness, still having lightheadedness. You're not asking him to drive bumper-to-bumper with people at speeds close to 200 miles an hour where the slightest mistake can take out not just you but other people. I think it's very courageous for Dale Jr. to realize this and say, hey, I'm not right. Let me get help. Let me get this fixed. The brain is not something you mess with. It's good for his safety. It's good for the safety of the other drivers. It's good that NASCAR has put the rule in that as long as you're in the top 30 and win a race, you can make the chase if you are out with injuries. I think it's the smart call on NASCAR's part. I think it's a beyond smart call on Dale Jr.'s part. And it shows how much he does care because, I mean, he earlier this year said, okay, to Boston University, when I it's time for me to go, I will donate my brain for CTE research and all that stuff. It's smart thinking on Junior's part because your head is key to everything, and if your head's not right, you're not going to run right, and he is making sure he doesn't risk further injury to himself and other drivers. I think it's the smartest move he could have made. It's great that Rick Hendricks said, hey, whatever time he needs to take, we want Junior healthy, we want Junior back in the car, we want him back in the car healthy, and until he's cleared... It's going to be somebody else in that 88 car, 
and it'll stay in the top 30 in owner points. It's just a matter of when Junior gets back in the car and will he have the ability to win a race between then and the chase because he won't be in the top 16. You're absolutely right, John Harlow. 917-889-8280. If you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles, talking about Dale Jr. and anything Kentucky or anything from New Hampshire, but right now Dale Earnhardt Jr. And you're right. I mean, this is a crushing blow to this chase, hopes. No doubt about it. I mean, um, it, he was going to, you know, they weren't in great shape to begin with to start this weekend. I mean, uh, they, Hendrick Motorsports has really, really struggled. That was going to be one of my topics, talk about the struggle of Hendrick Motorsports before this news comes out. They've really, really struggled. Alex Bowman's going to be in the 88 car this weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Uh, Bowman drives for Junior Motorsports in the NASCAR Xfinity Series part-time. He ran for Tommy Baldwin last season. Uh, so Bowman's got some experience. He's a, he's a very good, young, talented driver, but it's not Dale Jr. It's not Dale Jr. That's, uh, th- these cars are, are built for Dale Jr., these cars are built with Dale Jr. in mind. Um, so, you know, that's the scary part about it right now is you're sitting there going, uh, it's it's a little bit of a of, – of, it's going to be a problem. And uh, Jr. can come back, and no doubt he can win a race. But, you know, with the way Hendrick Motorsports was running even before this, it was going to be hard for him to win a race because they weren't running great. They're behind kids. They're behind Team Penske, and they're behind uh, Tony, Tony Stewart's Stewart Haas racing team right now. They're behind all three of those organizations. So, um, but this definitely puts a damper in it. And like you said, it's a courageous move by him to sit there and say, you know what, my health is more important than the chase. Um, and, you know, he, he, like, he was having problems. He felt a little bit at Daytona, really felt it at Kentucky. Like, they, like I said, thought it was allergies. And it turned out to be concussion-like symptoms. Uh, it's a crushing blow. And this is a guy who is not very young anymore. He's not uh, in his early 30s. He's in his early 40s now. And he's only got about a handful of years left in him. If, if you you want to do the math, you know, I personally think he's only got about five, four, four or five years left in him to win a championship. So this is another season where uh, Del Jr. is not going to be able to win a championship because he's not. he probably won't make this chase. Um, but like I said, we've seen crazier things happen. Kyle Busch, I wouldn't have put money on Kyle Busch last year. <coughs> to make the chase. He made it. Not only did he make it, he won a championship. So Junior can come back and battle back from this, but it certainly makes it a lot harder for Junior in that 88-18. I think more than anything, Dale Junior is engaged. He's getting married in the off season. He has a future wife to focus on. They're going to want to have kids. He's going to want to be a father. He's had a very good Sprint Cup career, I think he's focused more on being a husband, being a father when the time comes, and racing will take a second, it will take a backseat to that. And what he's doing right now is saying, my life is more important than a cup championship. And that's one of the few things you would ever hear a race car driver do Back in the day, in the old Chocolate Myers thing, remember when Ricky Rudd taped his eyelids open so he could race? Oh, yeah. You saw Daryl Waltrip, after breaking his leg in three places, getting hauled into the car so he could start the race, because back then, if you started the car, you got the points. If you missed the race, you got no points, and you went, I mean, you had no chance. Your season was done. So they would do everything they could. You saw Dale Earnhardt Sr. after breaking his collarbone start the race 
the next race. You've seen Mm -hmm. many, many people get in cars where they probably had no business not being in a hospital, but they got in the cars because that's what they did. And Dale Jr., I mean, the toughest thing to do, every other injury you can fix. You can fix a broken arm. You can fix a broken leg. I mean, heck, Tony Stewart showed that. He's got more metal in him. I mean, he probably sets every bell and whistle off in every airport, and five miles outside of the airport, they're starting to go off with the amount of metal he has in him. But you can come back from that. You can fix it. You can diagnose it. You can see it. A concussion, you cannot see. It's a matter of when you feel better. It's a matter when the dizziness goes, when the headaches go, and all the other things. It could be a week. It could be six weeks, like it was for Brock Holt, the Red Sox left fielder. But it's the smart move on Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s part. The one thing that will be interesting to see, Alex Bowman struggled in Tommy Baldwin stuff because Tommy Baldwin is trying to get there, but he's not there yet. He's an underfunded team. Alex Bowman ran well, has run well in Junior's number 88 in the Xfinity Series. It will be nice to see how Alex Bowman does in top-notch equipment. Because Hendrick Motorsports, even though they're a little bit behind right now, it's still top-notch equipment. It's If you have your choice, you're going to ask. I mean, if, if they say you can go into Hendrick or you can go into almost anybody else, they're going to jump in a Hendrick car. And here's Alex Bowman, who's getting the shot of a lifetime right now, Here's his chance to show what he can do in top-notch equipment, and maybe, just maybe, that'll help him down the road secure some sort of ride in the Cup Series. And it's definitely his best ride he's ever going to have, or he's ever had so far in the Sprint Cup Series, no matter if Hendrick is where they are or if they were where they were before, where they were a top, like, the elite organization in NASCAR. But it's definitely his best ride. 917-889-8280. Again, if you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles, Here's another aspect to it, John, and this is a, a very concerning one. This is, and I'm I'm going off of a uh, somebody. I'm going to tell you straight up. My fiance is a diehard Dale Earnhardt Jr. fan, and um, she's followed his career very closely since the beginning. And this has got to be, and this is her rough counting. She said this is at least Dale Jr.'s fourth concussion in in her mind. Um, you know, she said maybe he's had more than that. We don't know. But in her mind, she thinks he's had maybe three or four in his career. And when you think about that for a second, you have to stop and wonder how this is going to affect his career. You know, that hit at Kentucky and, and what we think of as race fans as hitting hard, that doesn't look like that. But we have to keep in mind that is going 210 miles an hour on the back straightaway when he got to get, when he hit the wall and hit the wall with A.J. Allmendinger. That's a pretty good jar he took, no doubt about it. But, you know, when you have a lot of concussions, you're more prone to have them again. And we saw him sit down a couple of years ago. He had two and six weeks a bunch of year, a couple of years ago when Regan Smith got in the car, um, and he missed, he missed a couple of races in the chase that year. But he's more prone to have concussions, and you have to wonder. I mean, like I said, he's 42 years old now. You have to wonder how this is going to affect his career. Will this cut his career short? Uh, I never want to. I, I hope it doesn't because I hope he races until he wants to, until he says it's time to quit. Um, but you know, you have to wonder. Like you said, this is this is not a broken leg. This is not a broken arm. This is something that lingers on forever. 
Uh, and this is something like, you know, and I hate to, to bring this up at this time, and it's probably a, a very bad analogy, but, uh, you know, concussions eventually can lead to, uh, you know, what we see in the NFL. And, and people, you know, for dementia and stuff like that, like, you know, uh, the old story about Leroy Yarbrough, a lot of people said he, the reason why he turned the way he did, uh, the great Leroy Yarbrough was because of a concussion and a couple, a couple of hits he took. And he was a 1969 driver of the year, and his career kind of fizzled after that and then turned, you know, his personal life went into a, a bad state as well. But, you know, I hope, listen, and this is what he's trying to avoid. For all those people who say, well, you know, Davey Allison got into a car with broken ribs and won at North Wilkesboro. I, you know, I understand that to, to an extent, but this is different. This is, you know, his future. This is everything. And, and he's right to step out of the car here. Um, and, and the way I look at it, too, is, John, and I was thinking earlier, well, why doesn't he just run one lap and pull it in and let Bowman jump in the car? It's really not going to matter because I think if you do, even if you do that, he's going to end up a couple of laps down, and he's gonna, yeah, he's going to get a couple points, but he's probably going to be in the same boat anywhere where he's going to have to win a race. So why even risk those couple of laps he's going to run when if he runs only one lap, he's going to be at least a couple of laps down if he doesn't do green. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do that. So uh, that's an aspect too, but. Um, definitely shocking news here, John Harlow, and and it's just, like I said, it, it's you know not impossible for him to make the chase, but the chase right now is secondary compared to everything else. When Dale Dale Jr. is looking at things right now, right now he's trying to get himself healthy, which is the smart thing to do. Like you said, he's in his early 40s. Troy Aikman was a heck of an NFL quarterback, and Troy Aikman's career ended because of concussions. Steve Young, heck of an NFL quarterback. His career ended because of concussions. Mike Matheny, who manages the St. Louis Cardinals, heck of a catcher, one of the best pitch callers there ever was, great at framing pitches, unbelievable defensive catcher, took six foul balls off the mask in a span of two years. His career ended because of concussions. David Ross, John Lester's personal catcher for the Cubs right now, the one the Cubs say they're doing everything for to win this title because he's the clubhouse guy. Guess what? Took a foul ball off the mask a couple weeks ago, out with a concussion. Concussions are not something to play with. I probably had two or three playing youth football and stuff, but that's back in the 70s and 80s when you didn't know any better. If I would have been that kid today, the minute I got my bell rung, I probably would have stopped playing football because I didn't want my bell rung anymore, and I know what it means to your future. Right. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Right is going to take the cautious approach. And to be honest with you, I think at the end of the season, he evaluates things and says, like you said, the more concussions you get, the more prone you are to them. And this is at least yeah. his fourth concussion that we know of, if not more when he was running short tracks as he was younger, when there was less equipment around him, less head protection, less different, I mean, less the helmets weren't as good and he's got yeah. the best of the stuff and they keep making safety improvements to everything i mean just think of i'm there's a program up here near boston i mean in boston where i work at it's called the home base program that massachusetts general hospital has put millions of dollars in with the red sox foundation to study traumatic brain injuries and every concussion is a traumatic brain injury. And they're studying it 
to make sure that our soldiers who are coming home who've been hit, I mean, been in IED attacks, been in different things like that to help our soldiers coming back. This is a lot different than a soldier coming back from combat, but it's still a traumatic brain injury. And the folk, he's working with the folks at the uh, University of Pittsburgh who are some of the best concussion specialists there are. I think Junior's taking the right approach, and this is something you don't play with. I think it'll be, it's a smart move Junior's made, and you will never hear me going, oh, he's a wuss, he should be in the car, starting at, starting at run a lap and get Bowman in. Like you said, he starts runs a lap at New Hampshire. They go into the pits. He's two laps down before anything happens. He might get a lucky dog to get one lap down, but the best Bowman's going to do is a 20th place finish. Give the car give the car its best shot, give Nationwide its best shot, and give Bowman the shot that he sees. The one thing that I was kind of surprised, it must be because Bowman's about the same size as Junior, is Elliot Sadler's pretty experienced. I'm surprised mm-hmm. they don't throw Elliot in the car. But yeah, they I, wanted I, to I go Bowman route. Yeah, it's interesting. 917-889-8280, it is interesting they went Bowman, and I thought the same thing. You know, I talked to uh, a person that we know very well, and he brought up maybe because Sadler and Allgaier are running full schedules in the Xfinity series and they didn't want to affect them. And that could be too, but, you know, with the chase this year in that series, you could say, well, you know, they both have, or at least Elliot Sadler has a win. So, you know, they, he's kind of locked into the chase anyway, but it could be right. You know, it's a very short notice. I mean, this is a Thursday, and, and they're going to be, got to be at the track tomorrow. So this is short notice for them. Uh, and maybe they didn't have time to adjust the seats. That's that's a very good point. Sadler's a very tall guy, a lot taller than, than Dale Earnhardt Jr. But, you know, and you, and you mentioned baseball, John. This is the first time we saw this in NASCAR. I mean, I know it's a little bit of a different situation because his injuries were so severe. But, you know, look at a guy like Ernie Irvin, who uh, was a great driver in his day, and he had to retire due to head injuries. And, uh, you know, Jerry Nadeau, and, again, that's a completely different situation. But, um, you know, head the head is something that you don't want to be messing with at all. So uh, it's definitely a um, it's definitely a smart move for Junior to back off here and say, you know what, let's sit out. I think it's going to be a couple of weeks. I don't think we're going to see him in Indianapolis either. Um, and maybe Pocono we might see him back at. But, you know, it's it's a scary situation because, like I said, you know, uh, he runs at a lot of fast racetracks. You know, these cars go faster, especially on the mile and a half track, than they ever have before. Michigan's a 200, you know, you can go 215 on the back straightaway. Indianapolis we fly at now. Pocono's a very fast racetrack, so uh, these, this is concerning. Um, and like I said, if he has a concussion, you're more prone to have more. So you just have to wonder if he can physically drive the car, absolutely, but if he keeps hitting a wall, uh, it might not even be his fault. You know, he hits a car at Daytona or something like that, um, and it hurts his head. You know, it's scary. it's a scary situation to be in. So and I hope it doesn't end his career. I hope everything is going to be fine with him, but uh, it's, it's a very scary situation to be in for Dale Earnhardt Jr., and and everybody involved, and like you said, kudos to Rick Hendrick for backing out and saying, "Listen, this is the way we want. This is you know we rather we care more about Dylan Hart Jr. than we do the championship." Uh, kudos to that as well. I, I completely agree, and I know it's got to be frustrating for some fans of Junior Nate Dale Jr. who are out there and, and maybe bought tickets to New Hampshire, bought tickets to Indianapolis, and now sitting there going, "Is my guy going to run?" But you know what? You have to worry about um, his health first, number one, and. Just pull for Alex Bowman. You know, that's all I got. There's going to be one person who is – there's one person in Bristol, Connecticut, 
who, when SportsCenter comes on at 11 o'clock, they, well, SportsCenter's on right now, they probably already had him on once where he's saying the praises of Dale Earnhardt Jr. for making the decision he has, and it's Ricky mm-hmm. Craven. And yeah, Ricky Craven absolutely. basically lost his ride at Hendrick Motorsports because he had concussions mm-hmm. and wasn't able and to Ricky, drive the car. And Ricky, Hen- he, uh, Ricky Craven was a very good driver, and those concussions affected him. He wound up getting into Cal Wells' ride and winning the one race that he did at Darlington right. that year, beating Kurt Busch to the finish line. But Ricky Craven was in that 25 car with Budweiser sponsorship, and he was going to be one of the futures of Hendrick Motorsports. Absolutely. And concussions derailed him. Yeah, he, had a, he, he well, I remember when I was a kid, uh, he was supposed to be the next big thing, and injuries, yeah, injuries hurt him bad. And uh, it was a shame, you know, like you said, he was able to catch on and win a couple of races with Cal Wells, do well, well there, and really show his skill, but... Um, it was a shame, you know, what happened to him as well. And like you said, he'll you singing the praises of Dale Jr. Absolutely, he is. Nine one seven eight nine eight two eight zero. If you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles, uh, stunning news this weekend, and and Dale Jr. and uh, you know, it, it's just it's a it's a shame because it would have been, you know, I think there's a lot of people who really want to see him make this chase. And I think right now with the way Hendrick's running, I'm not sure he's going to make it, but. Like I said, and, and this is the almost, this is the foremost thing we have to keep in mind here. Health is the number one thing. And as much as I, John, as much as I hate to do this, and and to you know because of everything that we that you know what we know today, um, everything's kind of taking a back seat as far as the health and everything. Um, it we did run a race at Kentucky last weekend, uh, the Quaker State 400. Um, Brad, it was Brad Keselowski's 21st win. It's back-to-back victories for Brad Keselowski. Um, it seems right now, John, that Team Penske has figured things out. Fourth win for Keselowski, one at Vegas, Talladega, Daytona, and Kentucky. He was able to stretch his fuel and conserve his fuel, and he beat out Carl Edwards by just a little bit. And Carl did a great job conserving his fuel as well there. Um, and a very entertaining run there at Kentucky and a very good win for Brad Keselowski. It seems like Team Penske now, John, has kind of closed the gap here on Joe Gibbs Racing. I think the horsepower that um, Yates is putting out, Doug Yates is putting out some fantastic horsepower for the Ford cars. Keselowski's running great. Logano's usually in the mix. <coughs> Excuse me, the Roush, I mean, the Roush Fenway cars are doing better than they've done in years. They are respectable again. And when you throw the four Stewart Haas cars in there next year, Ford is going to be a contingent to deal with. I think Penske is looking good this year. Keselowski and Paul Wolf have their magic together. The funny part is, of all the years of Penske or Team Penske, who would have thought that Paul Wolf is the winningest crew chief? in NASCAR for Team Penske. I would have thought it had been yeah. Robert Pem- Robin Pemberton, who was running with Rusty all those years, or um, Buddy all the guys who worked with Rusty. I thought well, they would have been the win- I mean, the leading. But no, Paul Wolf is now the winningest crew chief at Team Penske in NASCAR. So that's a great deal for him. Kozlowski, that final two laps from the end, 
I almost swear he shut the engine off the whole lap because he was just coasting, 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 and then all of a sudden he sees, he gets the word from the spotter that Edwards is coming. He puts it back in gear, puts the clutch back out, and holds him off. I mean, that was some ballsy moves on Brad Kay's spot to keep Carl just enough behind him and make it to the finish line because he ran out of gas as he crossed the finish line. He couldn't even do a burnout. He couldn't even get the car to victory lane. It was perfect timing, and they did exactly what they needed to do. Um, The racing at Kentucky, it was follow the leader because a repave. (laughs) Goodyear got scared. Like everybody said, they went and... Kyle Busch, when they did the test on the tires they were going to run, he blistered all four tires in 20 laps. So I don't blame Goodyear for being scared and bringing the hardest tire that they had, or they probably could have put a a couple layers lower than the one they had on the right side, and it would have brought for better racing. And Kentucky did everything they possibly could. They put gravel into the pavement to make it rougher, so it isn't the perfect grip pavement that you get with a repave. They brought the tire trucks down and ran tires all over the track for a couple days. Kentucky did everything they could. Weather will help it out because Kentucky winters aren't too far off of the northeast winters, so the track will mature faster than the ones down south. But it was a typical repave. I mean, you heard Junior talk about Goodyear being scared of the tires. You heard Stewart basically say the tires were hockey pucks. Um, But it was a repave, and after the test, they blistered a bunch of tires, and Goodyear didn't want people going into the wall. They wanted to make sure they could make the tire run. They don't, I mean, Goodyear still has Indianapolis a few years ago in their head where they couldn't do 10 laps without a pit stop. So it was smart on Goodyear's part. We knew it was going to be sort of that way with the repave i think the sad part is with the testing of the 2017 the hopeful 2017 low low downforce package that they didn't really get much out of it because you couldn't the only person who passed the whole night was martin truex because he was so damn pissed at nascar for the (laughs) penalty that he got that he didn't care. He already got the penalty. He's already got a win. He was going to go to the front. If he had to knock somebody out of the way to do it, he was getting there. But he came up a couple laps short. If you gave him a couple more laps, he probably would have made it to the front and passed them all. But that was probably the biggest takeaway of the race is it was a typical repave, and NASCAR enforced a rule that they haven't really enforced because Truex took it further than anybody ever really has. I mean, he was two car lengths in front of Harvick whenever he got into his timing line and passed him to the left, which in the rule book it says you are not allowed to pass to the left on pit road. So yeah. Truex got burned by it. I bet you in the driver's meeting it will be a 10-minute discussion about what you cannot do when it comes to pit stops. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it was an interesting penalty to Truex because I have seen guys do that a lot. I mean, I've been watching races since I've been three years old, and I've seen people do that since I was a kid, where they go to the left and they just fly and pass people, but obviously there was something NASCAR saw that they didn't like, and it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be a very interesting discussion, uh, and in driver's meeting, I'd be a fly on the wall there to see what questions are brought up. 
and exactly how they will police that going forward because it, it costs Martin Truex Jr. the race, you can argue. He had a really fast race car, and he had to go to the rear, and track position was very, very important. Uh, and like you said, you know, he was able to pass some cars, was able to work his way back up to the 10th position, which is pretty impressive considering there was 20 cars on the lead, on the lead lap uh, when we took the green there, but uh, ended up 10th. So, you know, it's not going to kill him because he's in the chase, so everything's okay there, but uh, it had to be a very frustrating night for Truex. And like I said, he, they, I'm sure there will be some clarity this weekend. Uh, a couple of big attaboys here, a couple of good ones. Carl Edwards second. I mean, he was in the top, about middle of the top ten all day long. Ryan Newman third. He needed a good run because he's he's needs the points, John, to really get in the chase. Did a great job there finishing in the third spot. Uh, Kurt Busch was fourth. And Tony Stewart, you know, fuel strategy got him up there, finished in fifth, and that was Biffle, McMurray, Kenseth, Kevin Harvick, and like we said, Truex rounding out the top ten. But, uh, you know, a lot of fuel strategy in, in that race kind of skewed finishes up a little bit. But, uh, you know, Tony Stewart, for example, a uh, good run for him, was able to close, pull the gap away from 31st a little bit, and Brian Scott, uh, now he, he's he's closing in on David Reagan for 29th. So uh, that's all you really have to worry about with Tony Stewart. Uh, he's just 15 points back at Reagan, like I mentioned. So uh, nice job by him as well. And all those guys, Newman in third as well, John. I think the Stewart one was really telling because whenever they came out of the pits after the money stop, he basically said, I can't go anywhere. So they went straight into fuel conserve mode because he wasn't passing anybody. He was trying, but because it was a one-groove track, you couldn't go wide because if you got wide, you wound up in the wall. Um, so Stewart basically said, okay, we're going to save fuel, and we'll stretch it and see how far we get. And he got up to fifth, which, again, Stewart has his win, and he's, unlike normal Stewart, he's actually points racing because he wants to make sure that gap between where he is and the cutoff line is as big as he can make it. And that was a smart move on Stewart's part. Now that he's got that much of a gap, he can take a couple gambles and go for another win, and I can tell you he will be all bets off in two weeks when they hit Indy. Absolutely. Stewart will throw everything he can at that race because he hopefully, I mean, in his mind, he hopes to have a big enough gap that he can do whatever he can to make sure he gets that Brickyard trophy in his last season. I agree wholeheartedly there. 917-889-8280. So uh, some, some really, you know, interesting runs there at Kentucky Speedway this weekend. Um, and, and I was going to bring up, like I said, the, the fact that we already discussed this, but the fact that Hendrick Motorsports, John, has struggled. Chase Elliott, three straight finishes of uh, 31st or worst. Dylan Hart Jr., before the news today, has one top ten in his last ten starts. Ch- uh, Casey Keene hasn't led a lap all season long. And Jimmy Johnson has just three top 15 finishes in his last 11 races. And it was an interesting topic I want to bring up real quick, John, here. This weekend, a lot of teams went and tested at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Hendrick Motorsports called on Ray Evernham to be there. Now, Ray Evernham obviously is a consultant. He's in the, he's in the competition meetings at, at Hendrick Motorsports. So, but Chad Kanowsk asked Ray Evernham to be there to kind of give some assistance to him. And it was interesting because it just shows you that Hendrick knows they're kind of off their game a little bit, and they kind of went all hands on deck here to get everything uh, they possibly could and get as many 
smart people at the racetrack as they possibly could to help figure out what's going on with this team. So I thought that was a very interesting fact. They put Ray Everham there, John, this weekend to the test at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Anytime you get Ray Everham around the track, you're going to learn something. And Chad Knauss has said flat out, I mean, a good bit of who he is as a crew chief is because of what he learned from Ray Everham. I mean, he was one of the original Rainbow Warriors. So if I'm going, if I'm struggling and want to find a way to make it better, I'm bringing my mentor in if I can. And that's what he did. And Ray's looking at the same stuff. He's not as deep into the nuts and bolts as he used to be, but he knows what makes a car go. And he can sit there with Chad and analyze everything together and see the different things they um, can do. The one thing that was interesting about it, they're two weeks away from running at Indian. I mean, basically 10 days away from running at Indianapolis when they did the test. They took the same tire that they are running at Indianapolis, and they brought one team per organization. So they are taking legit notes back because it was 89 degrees when they were testing out there. So it is a typical Indianapolis hot summer day. So they got good notes to go back to share with their other teams and try to figure out what they're going to do. Rodney Childers basically said with Harvick, they were the third fastest car out there. And Rodney said, we're bringing a different car back because the car that they took, they just didn't like it enough. So they're going to bring a different car to Indy but use the notes from all the setups and stuff they did, but they're going to use a different chassis to go back. So that's interesting to see that they did a test that close to the race to where they could have legit good notes using the tire they're going to run in the race. So that's probably the best thing they can do. A lot of times they go and test places and they don't have the tire they're going to run. Goodyear will tell them what tire is going to be later. They don't give you the tire that you're going to run at that at that track this time they're 10 days out from the race with the same race tire and they had enough cars on there to cause enough wind cause enough dirty air cause enough draft so you can get a legit idea of what's going to happen when they come back to indianapolis next weekend yeah it's very interesting it's a lot like what we used to i mean uh it's a a lot of teams are saying you know they're happy that that nascar's got that test so close to indianapolis because you can use the notes Use your brains, and you'll be back there and again next week. And it's so close, and it's going to be so much similar to what we saw at uh, what we're going to see there next weekend that it's a very benefit test where if they went, you know, in March and it was cold, it really wouldn't benefit much. So um, I think it's something we're going to see down the road to to extend this topic a little bit. I think it's something we're going to see down the road a little bit more where you might see a team sit there and go, uh, you might see NASCAR say, you know what, we're going to give you testing back and we're going to give you testing as much as you want, but we're going to take practice away and stuff like that. So that's something interesting to keep your eye on as well. But um, I thought that was interesting. Hendrick Motorsports bringing Ray Everham there. It was kind of a throwback, and it just shows you all hands on deck here for a team that knows. And I think they know they're well aware they're behind the eight ball right now compared to where everybody else is, compared to where Kozlowski and, and, Pens- and Logano and Team Penske are, and compared to where Joe Gibbs Racing is right now as well. Okay, John, um, one thing I want to say about Chase Elliott at Kentucky, Chase Elliott was running great. He just caught caught up in the mess that Ryan Blaney, when he got loose, when they tried to go three wide on a restart and Blaney got loose and wound up taking Chase out with him. I mean, Chase was in the top five whenever that wreck happened, so he was running well. He's been running well Mm -hmm. all year. 
I mean, yes, his, he's been thirty. His stuff, he's been caught up in other people's messes. It's not like he's causing it, and it's not like he's running in the qualifying twenty eighth and he's back there with the mess to begin with and gets caught up in something. He's either been up toward the top ten when he gets caught up in somebody else's mess. It's not that he's not running good. And Alan Gustafson and that team have, in reality, I think they're running better with Chase Elliott than they ran with Jeff Gordon last year. I do, too, and I think they've been the uh, breadwinner sort of at Hendrick Motorsports. They've kind of been holding the flag for that organization because, you know, Jimmy hasn't run great recently. Uh, like we said, Dale only had one top ten in his last ten starts, and Casey Kane hasn't been good all year. So they've been kind of the, the team that's been – uh, holding the torch for Hendrick Motorsports a little bit, so um, a nice job by that team so far in 2016, and I think we're going to see them even improve more, and Chase is going to be a factor to win some races, especially at Pocono uh, in a couple of weeks because he ran so well there last time we were there. But, uh, yeah, but, you know, it's not the whole organization is down right now, but, you know, uh, it's just bad luck for Chase for the last three races, really, you know, that he can't control, but, um, it's just been a, it's been kind of a lost really last two months for Hendrick Motorsports, and I think they're they're scuffling, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, July 13th, which was yesterday, marked the 23rd anniversary of the passing of Davy Allison. Um, he got you know July 12th, 1993, he got in a helicopter crash at 7 a.m. in the morning on July 13th. It was announced he pa- he passed away from his injuries. Uh, one of the I think one of the drivers who could have been a superstar in this sport uh, was running for Robert Yates Racing, narrowly missed the 1992 championship, and that 1992 year was filled with so much dramatic stuff for Davey Allison. He had so many injuries. His wreck at Pocono, his wreck at Charlotte, uh, all that caused a lot of injuries for him, and he still almost won a championship. You know, his brother Clifford passing away, all, all that emotional uh, and physical abuse you could say he took and he still almost won the championship if he didn't wreck which wasn't his doing if, if uh, a blown tire by Ernie Irvin um, didn't happen Davey probably wins the championship that year and we're not talking about Alan Kowicki but uh, it was it was a great year for him in 93 they got off to a little bit of a bad start uh, a rough start but they were starting to figure things out a little bit how won a race at Richmond and then the helicopter crash was going in to see um, his one of his closer friends, Neil Bonnet's son, David, tests an ARCA car at Alabama International Speedway at that time. We call it now Talladega. Crashed in the infield, trying to land, and uh, due to his injuries, passed away 23 years ago today. I, I Just one of the most sad stories, just because of the fact, John, I think Davey would have won so many races in this sport. He would have been battling door-to-door with, Dale, with Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt, towards his career, the end of Dale Earnhardt's career. Um, just it was just a a very sad day in NASCAR on July thirteenth, nineteen ninety three. Uh, what are your thoughts about Davy Allison? Well, you know how I am about Stewart now. I was that way about Davy Allison. I was a huge Davy Allison fan, and I wrote an article for SpeedwayMedia dot com yesterday, and I was working at a radio station when the news came across the wire that he was in the helicopter crash. And I woke up the next morning to learn that he had passed away. And it changed the cult, the, the fabric of what NASCAR would have been going forward. 
Davey was coming on in 93. 92, he all but won the championship, like you said, if it wouldn't have been for Ernie Irvin's blown tire. Considering the two major accidents he was in and still was fighting for it at the end at Atlanta. 93, they were struggling, but they were starting to get their act together in the summer. They were, I think he was about 140 points behind Earnhardt whenever the accident happened, and Rusty wound up finishing second, and Rusty wasn't even in the top five in points at the time. I think 94, when Dale Earnhardt won his seventh title, I don't know if he would have won that with Davey Allison on the track. The other things you look at is what could have changed in the fabric of NASCAR. Ernie Irvin doesn't end up in the 28 if Davey Allison lives. If Ernie Irvin's not in the 28 and doesn't wreck the 28 and gets hurt like he did, Dale Jarrett doesn't get in the 28. Yep. And then Dale Jarrett doesn't go to the 88. Robert Yates may have already had titles with Davey, and who knows if Dale Jarrett's who he picks for that second car whenever he expands to a two-car team. If, right, Dave, I mean, if, Dale Jarrett, if Dale Jarrett doesn't go to Robert Yates to drive the 28 in relief of Ernie, who knows if Bobby Labonte gets that 18 ride. So Bobby Labonte right. may have never won a uh, cup title. So right. the well, fabric of NASCAR changed in that one day because of that damn helicopter. Yeah, it, it, and it was such a sad day. I mean, uh, you look at this kid, this kid's a beautiful, uh, Krista is, is a beautiful young lady, and Robbie's racing, he's a good-looking kid, and they're so nice, and it's just such a shame, because he would have been so proud of them, and his wife was beautiful as well, and it was, it's just such a sad, it was such a sad, sad day, and something that, you know, when you think about it, I mean, I was only four years old when that happened, um, but when you think about it, it's just, like you said, it would have changed NASCAR completely, I mean, um, you know, who knows? He he told Robert Yates, you know, he signed a deal and Robert Yates bought that team back in the eighties, basically gave him a handshake deal where he said, I'm gonna drive for you forever uh, as long as you buy this team and if you agree to buy the team and he did. So basically he had his word to Robert Yates that he was gonna drive there forever. So he would have stayed at Yates, you know, and who knows how many races and championships he would have won, but he was an unbelievable talent and uh just somebody taken way too early and it's a shame, it really is. Um, Larry and, Mack and doesn't that, go to Larry Mack wouldn't go to RCR and be the crew chief for Earnhardt to win the 500 if Davey Allison's still alive. You're right. Earnhardt and, may and not that, have won they, a seventh title and a Daytona 500 if Davey Allison didn't get in that damn helicopter with Red Farmer that day and just drove to Talladega instead of deciding to fly. Yeah, it's it's crazy when you think about it and. Uh, he had the horsepower. He had everything he needed. I mean, Robert Yates' horsepower, even to this day, is still capable of winning races. So he had everything he needed to have a great crew chief, a great team over there uh, to be really, really successful um, in the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series. We have a caller here uh, on Talking Circles. to so join the show. Call 917-889-8280 if you want to join the conversation here. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Lee in Virginia. Hi, Lee. What do you want to talk about today? Uh, you know, the, the story of the day, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think, uh, you know, it was a shocking story when we all saw it this morning, this afternoon when it came down about 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Um, you know, it's something that I'm I'm glad, and like you guys said earlier in the show, I'm glad that he, he has decided I'm going to uh, come out 
with this and say, I'm gonna say, you know, I am hurt. Uh, John, I think you made a great point when you said, this is why we have the chase waiver. This is exactly why it's here. Because if we didn't have it, Dale Earnhardt Jr. probably wouldn't say anything. And he'd probably want to, and he'd have to go out there and race with a concussion because he wouldn't want to ruin his championship hopes. Um, but this is a major hit for him. And, Points-wise, because he, no matter what, he's still going to have to make up the points. Um, and if he doesn't get a win, he could be in trouble. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether or not Hendrick Motorsports can turn around their program while Gale is out of the car with Alex Bowman or whoever is going to be in it in, at Indianapolis as well. Um, you know, can they t- turn their car around without Dale in it? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Lee. I, I mean, uh, it was stunning news. I mean, it really was. It was uh something that I didn't see coming, you know, and I don't think anybody, I don't think John saw, I don't think anybody saw it coming. And uh, when I first got the news, um, I was st- shocked. I thought I didn't think it was serious and it was st- serious. So uh, it's crazy to think about. Um, it really is, it's you know, good. It, it, this is, go ahead. I thought, it, I think you guys made a good point about, you know, this could be something with his career and not necessarily, you know, we don't know how serious this concussion is. Supposedly the wreck at Michigan is the one that sort of caused this when he hit the he hit the wall with his passenger side door. Um and you know, maybe it's not even that severe of a concussion, but it is still enough to miss time and we're going to get to a point in his career where if he can get cut concussions that how many times is this guy gonna be in and out of a race car and our sponsor's gonna want to take a chance at him sort of like Brian Vickers. Um so that's not a good thing either. And you had earlier from retire from concussions. They told him one more major head injury and you could be risking your life severely, so Ernie had to retire. They told, said that to Neil Bonnet and Neil still got in the car and had one more big wreck at Daytona and died. So are we going to get to that point with Dale Earnhardt Jr. here in the mm. future? We don't want to get there. I know those are you know examples from 20 and 16 years ago, and we have, we've learned a lot more about concussions now than we, do, than we did then, but it's still a concussion, and it's not like a broken leg. It's not like a broken back. It's not like his father racing with a broken ankle or a broken collarbone. This is a concussion, and like John said before, this could take six weeks. This could take five days. You don't know. So I think I give him credit for being out front and open about this um, and, and being good with it. But, you know, it's a shame that he, that he can't fight for his championship and fight for his chase regularly and, and you know, on the racetrack. Yeah, and, and the one thing where Lee, the one thing where I'm impressed with Dale Jr. as well, not only is he taking his health seriously, but if you think about it, nationwide and all the sponsors who are on that 88 car are probably putting about 30 million dollars a year into that organization, if not more. And the fact that he views his life as more important than the commitment to those sponsors to make sure that they're happy on the car. I think that shows, again, like I said, it was probably one of the most courageous moves I've seen at the cup level. And I don't usually use the word courageous very often, but when it comes to this, it's something that 90% of the drivers would not have done until this chase waiver came in. And Dale Jr., who's seen, and he studies the history of not just NASCAR, but other sports. He's seen other players other in other sports lose their careers because they didn't treat the concussion when it happened. He's seen the Dave Durasons of the world 
who've taken their own lives, the junior Seau's of the world who've taken their own lives because they had CTE from the many concussions that they played through because, oh, I just got my bell rung, I'll just keep, I'll shake it off and I'll be good in a couple plays. Now you have it in this sport. And there was a point earlier in the year when they, when Junior said we need to get the concussion test, and they've done the impact study on everybody, and they have to do it every two years now in NASCAR to keep their NASCAR license. John, and that's so Junior applauded it. And there are John, many that's... drivers who said, ah, oh, this is stupid. But here's Junior again with another concussion, which Clayton said his uh, fiance is estimated it's at least four in the past three years. Yeah, and he had he, and he learned also from when he had that big wreck in California about 15 years ago, 2001 or 2002, and uh, he didn't go into the infield care center that week. He, there's no question in my mind he had a concussion of that one, and he decided not to go into the infield care center because he wanted to continue the race. He was a lot younger then. He was 26 years old, and I think he realized he made a mistake back then. One of the things I wanted to discuss is how in the world – was this missed after his wreck in Kentucky? He went to the hey, infield care good, center, and hey, and how hey, and hey, how Lee. can they not know? How did they not know that that happened? It's a very good point. And I asked the same question. I'll tell you what the answer is. Dale Earnhardt Jr. hit the outside wall at Kentucky Speedway, but he drove the car back to the garage area. And when you drive the car back to the garage area, you don't have to go to the infield care center. He never went to the infield care center. He was able to get back out at Kentucky and finish the race. So it was. Michigan. It wasn't. Or, Michigan, yes. Right, Michigan. I'm sorry. He was able to go back out there and finish the race. Not Kentucky. I'm sorry. At Michigan, he was able to go out there and finish the race. So when he hit the outside wall, he drove back to the garage area, like I said. And that's not mandatory. It's only when your car stops and you get out and they take you that you have to get the check through. So that's very something very. I asked the same question and I went back and looked, and that's what it was. He went back out on the racetrack because and drove it back to the garage area. So you know you have to wonder. Uh, if we need to maybe modify that, where hey, after the after the end of each race, do we need to, to? If you got into a little bit of a wreck, even Daytona, for example, Dale Jr. got in, into a little bit of, of, a, of a wreck there as well, and he said he felt a little bit at Daytona as well. He had an accident there, but he didn't go to the Instill Care Center that night either because he was able to drive the car and continue. So you have to wonder if you sit there and go. Um, do we need to maybe modify this Instill Care Center thing, where if you get any kind of accident? You get checked out in the infield care center after the race, uh, just so you don't further injure injure yourself. It's uh, something very interesting general, to keep an eye on. All forty drivers in general, you know, can can they all go into the infield care center after the race and say, you know, the ones especially the ones that were involved in a big wreck, you can obviously do after the big wreck, but maybe the rest of the guys who who are running it at the finish, you know. They won't have to go through the infield care center and get checked out after after the course of the race. Maybe after everything's done, after you do the interviews and all that, you are required to at least get checked out in the infield care center. I know that might take a while, but you know what? I think it's worth it for the for the health, and the future of the sport, and for the future of the, you know, these drivers. And, and I think you know you need to protect them from themselves sometimes. Where you know I think he, Brad Keselowski was one that kind of fought Dale Jr. on. Oh well, we don't we don't really need this. I think these guys need to understand. You know, Dale Jr. was that way when he was 31 years old because he didn't go to the Infield Care Center in California. Now that he's 41, he realizes, oh, I made a mistake. I think we need to save these these guys from themselves, and you know, maybe just send them through the Infield Care Center after the end of end of a race if, if it's going to come down to this. Now the question. Is, now what we have to look at when it comes to the Infield Care Center, and 
it's going to have to be either a NASCAR-mandated protocol of what goes on at the infield care center, because a lot of times you'll see the drivers come into the care center, they're in there 30 seconds, and they're out doing their interview because they go, I'm fine. It's not like they yeah. really do a major exam. I mean, it's almost they go to the infield care center. If the driver says, like Allmendinger, uh, when he got hurt at Kentucky, my thumb hurts. So they checked his thumb out. Or if somebody says, my leg hurts, they checked their leg out. But a lot of times they go in there, they say, I'm okay, and they're back out talking to TV and radio to say, well, somebody wronged me or I just got loose or whatever. It's There is no protocol that anybody really knows of of what officially happens at the infield care center and we probably will never know because of HIPAA laws but it's one of those things that until NASCAR lays down the law and says okay if you are in an accident you will go to the infield care center either after the race or when you come in from a car that is disabled and you come in on the ambulance ride but there has to be specific things that they look for in the infield care center it's not just a, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. They have to go through some sort of exam before they get out the door. And I think and I wonder, you know, just focusing the... on somebody's head where if somebody wants to lie about a broken leg or a broken arm or a broke, anything that that's, has, doesn't have to do with your brain, I think that makes a lot of I think, you know, who cares about the other things? You're going to live with a broken leg. It's not necessarily going to affect your health where, you know, or, or your your future as much as your brain will. So I think we definitely need to check them out, at least concussion-wise. And you're right, John, maybe they need to uh, put that in a more stipulate in the NASCAR. Well, you I mean, if you look at, Junior's, look at Junior's thing, he went to the doctors the week of the Kentucky race. He went to his family doctor and thought his allergies were acting up. He didn't say, my head's woozy. He just thought his allergies were acting up. If he would have went to his family doctor before the Kentucky race and said, my head's woozy, they probably would have gone to his impact study and looked at it and gave him the impact test again, and they probably could have figured out he had concussion-like symptoms before Kentucky. It's part of it with a concussion. You almost have to self-diagnose it or do the mandatory test to find out. It's not going to be they look at you and – most of the time they look at you, unless your eyes are all foggy, you're going to look like you're normal even when you have a concussion. So mm-hmm. it's got to be some sort of, and that's where NASCAR has to get with the medical profession, get with the University of Pittsburgh, get with Boston University, two of the leaders in studying CTE and concussion symptoms, and figure out what a protocol is going to be going forward. Now, I understand Keselowski was griping, moaning, complaining about the concussion things because of what happened to the Team Penske driver, um, Will Power, earlier in the year because they made him sit a race for a concussion because he was telling him everything that he had was sort of like a concussion, but it wound up being an inner ear infection. Again, it's one of those things. It is unbelievably tough to diagnose a concussion. Yeah, it is, and, and you have to wonder how this is going to change the sport for the future. Like, you know, we, we saw Dale Jr. last time he sat out of a car, they they made it mandatory, like you said, um, to, to go through those things every two years, to go through concussion tests, and now you have to wonder if they're going to ramp this up a little bit because, you know, like Lee said, it kind of got through the cracks a little bit here where he didn't get really tested because 
he didn't take the mandatory ride in the infield care center because he went back out in a racetrack. Um, so it, that's very interesting. Um, Lee, before I let you go here, do you want to give a quick comment on Davey Allison? I know uh, you're a big race fan, and, and uh, what were your comments on, on, on Davey Allison? 23 years ago on yesterday, he officially passed away. Yeah, it, it was a sad day for the sport. It was a sad uh, year for the sport. We lost Kawiki that year, too, and, uh, you know, he would have been a he was a true champion. He was a guy I think, you know, not only did we lose Davy Allison that day, we lost the fan base of the Alabama gang who, you know, it was a wonderful uh they were a wonderful group of drivers out of Alabama and you know, Davy kind of passed, you know, we still had Hot Strickland, but Davy kinda of went with them and, and uh you know, he was their last, you know, big time star with winning a ton of races and um it it was a sad day. It's a, it's a shame, you know, more on just the fact that we lost a driver. We lost a, somebody lost a husband and, and two kids lost a father. So that was the most important thing there. Um, I think John made some interesting points about what would have happened had he not passed away in that plane crash, in that uh, air, uh, helicopter crash, about the future of the sport, how it would have been redirected. Um, and I always say this about Davy Allison. I think it rings true. If Davy Allison had lived, it would be Yates Fenway Racing, not Rouse Fenway Racing. Uh, because yeah. he was the superstar that Robert Yates had. And, you know, even though Dale Jarrett was a good driver and a champion, I don't think Dale Jarrett's talent held the candles of what Davey Allison would have, and I think that just speaks volumes of Davey Allison. It, it, it really does, Lee, and we appreciate your comments. You're on Talking in Circles. Be sure to join us next week. Thanks a lot, Lee. Yep. That was Lee from Virginia. Always a great call, John Harlow. Um, real quick, last two minutes here. We're, we're probably going to go over our time here a little bit here on Talking Circles, but that's okay. Um, we're going to lose our live audience here in about two minutes and 18 seconds, but the last topic I want to bring up is Elliot Sadler. Um, Sadler, as one main financial, is leaving the NASCAR NASCAR at the end of the 2016 NASCAR Xfinity Series. Sadler drives for Junior Motorsports. Um, John Harlow, what are your thoughts here on that news with Elliot Sadler, one main financial, leaving at the end of 2016? Um, again, it's one of those things where if you can bring money, you've been you've been able to get a ride. Elliot Sadler has taken one main financial across the Xfinity garage. He drove for Harvick. He drove for Childress. He drove for Joe Gibbs Racing. He drove for Roush Fenway. And now he's driven for Junior, all with one main financial. Um, and whenever he was with Yates as one main and city financial, they were on the Xfinity car whenever he decided to drive Xfinity for Yates. I think it's going to hurt. I don't know. I mean, Kelly Earnhardt Miller said this week that they're try- they want to stay with three full-time Xfinity cars, two that are locked in with drivers, and then the all-star car. Um, and Elliot really wants to stay driving for Junior because they grew up in the motor coach lot together. They've been friends forever. But I don't know who's going to pony up the money unless Elliot Sadler comes up and wins the championship this year, which I doubt happens. But that's where I see Elliot Sadler. Elliot Sadler is an okay driver. He's had relative success in the Xfinity Series. He's had a small bit of success in the Cup Series. But if the money's not there, and say, for example, I mean, you look, Justin Allgaier got the seven car, because he could bring Brant to the show. The all-star car, everybody brought something to it. I mean, you look, 
Harvick brings Hunt Brothers Pizza. Uh, Junior has his different things, and they have a couple things set up with Bowman and everything, and Chase Elliott whenever he comes in. But who's going to pony up to sponsor that third car? Is that something where when Daniel Suarez, who doesn't have a place to go to the show yet, is looking for his next ride, does he take Eris with him and go to Junior Motorsports? Is it something where, because Junior wants to put up-and-comers in, he wanted to put Ben Rhodes in that car but couldn't find a sponsor for him. Maybe he gets Ben Rhodes back. out of the. I mean, once Ben Rhodes gets out of the truck series, maybe he puts him in that car. Maybe he finds a way to put Bowman in that car full-time. I'm not sure if Elliot Sadler keeps the ride because he doesn't have the money to pay for it. Yeah, it's an interesting situation. I mean, um, Sadler's, like you say, he's taking this sponsor around the Xfinity Series garage area. I always felt he made a huge mistake when he left Richard Childress when he had that year where he won four races and 24 top ten finishes. and um, He really had a phenomenal year that year, and then he went to Joe Gibbs because I think he was Sadler's biggest fault in this thing in the Xfinity, and I don't mean to call it a big fault because I don't think it is a big fault, but I think his biggest one was the fact that he always had his, his eyes on the Sprint Cup Series where he thought, maybe I can get back to the Sprint Cup Series if I have a lot of success here in Xfinity. And if he had stayed at Richard Childress Racing, I think he would have won a lot more races and maybe we're not in this situation. But who knows? I mean, I think he's, he's successful enough to keep his sponsor. And it's just another another sponsor here, John, where a sponsor saying, you know what, we want to spend our money elsewhere other than NASCAR. And, and the Xfinity Series is, is a different animal than the Sprint Cup Series. I'm not as concerned because there's not as many people that are watching the Xfinity Series. But still, it's an interesting situation where a guy who's a very popular driver, a guy who a lot of fans like, who's had some success in the Xfinity Series, um, is losing their sponsor here. I thought that was a, it's kind of a, a little bit of an interesting scenario for the Xfinity Series. But I hope he does find a sponsor because he's a, he's a good personality. He's still pretty young, only 41 years old, even though he's been around for a while. Um, so, but, you know, like you said, it's going to come down to money and see what he's got and see if he can take a big-time ride or if he's going to go to the Cup Series and, and run around and, and not so good stuff. Uh, it should be interesting to see what Sadler's future holds, John. Well, the one thing, if you look at it, um, one of the things that's been dictating this has been change of CEOs. Go back to Home Depot. Bob Nardelli was the CEO of Home Depot for a long time, and Home Depot was everywhere. Tony didn't have an extra. I mean, there was no other partners on that 20 car. It was Home Depot 38 races a year. Bob Nardelli goes out of the CEO. New CEO comes into Home Depot, and Home Depot's sponsorship cuts back, cuts back, goes away. Dollar General, new CEO. They decide they're going to go in a different direction. GoDaddy, new CEO, goes in a different direction. One main financial gets sold to a different company, which means a new CEO, they're going to go in another direction. It's partly how well you get the CEO to like NASCAR. If you get a CEO that doesn't think it's worthwhile, you're out, and you're stuck struggling for sponsorship. The one blessing for Elliott Sadler and Junior Motorsports is they told him before the – Firecracker 250 instead of before Homestead. You're right, and that gives them a lot of time in the Xfinity Series. A lot of things happen later uh, than the Spring Cup Series, so it is a pretty good heads-up saying, hey, you know what, where are I getting at? Like you said, right Firecracker 250, they, they officially formed and they were not coming back, so it's a nice little heads-up there 
for for them and everybody there at Junior Motorsports. I want to thank Lee for Virginia, from Virginia for a great call. I want to thank John Harlow for helping me out tonight. He does a great job every week. And I want to thank you people for listening. It was a great show again tonight. Uh, we'll be watching New Hampshire with with a lot of fun this weekend. It should be a lot of fun at New Hampshire for the New Hampshire 301. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Talking Circles. We'll be back here next week. Good night, everybody.